Welcome to the IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast for couples who struggle with infertility and want to fulfill their dreams of becoming parents. In this podcast, you'll learn actionable strategies to deal with infertility from Dr. Michael Chapman, or Prof as he's affectionately known. Prof is the co-founder of IVF Australia and is a leading Australian infertility specialist who has helped over 3,000 couples realise their dreams of becoming parents. To access previous episodes packed with ideas, solutions and tips that actually work, head over to Dr Chapman's IVF podcast on iTunes. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1800 111 483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au. That first cry of a baby born after the long journey of IVF remains one of the most beautiful experiences in the world. As an obstetrician and an IVF specialist, I've had the privilege of experiencing this over many thousands of times in my long career, but I still remain moved by each baby's first cry. It signifies the end of a long journey and the beginning of a new life. This is Professor Michael Chapman, co-founder of IVF Australia and host of the IVF Journey podcast. Thanks for tuning in. To access all the previous episodes, head over to my website, www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu. You'll also be able to find the various services that we provide at IVF Australia. So today I'm going to talk about thinking about fertility at 40 and what the options are. So the first important thing is to have some realism in relation to the chances of success. The issue that you face is that nature has programmed your eggs to have reduced quality as aging progresses. Indeed, the aging of the ovary is much more rapid than any other organ in the body. This is thought to be primarily related to the energy sources within the egg which drive normality of the egg. These are the mitochondria. So to put it in perspective, one egg at the age of 30 gives you probably a 15% chance of a pregnancy. By 40 that's probably dropped to 2 or 3% per egg. The abnormalities that we see in older eggs relate to the chromosome. So genetically those eggs have abnormal numbers of chromosomes or abnormal breakages of the chromosomes that lead to failed fertilization, increased rate of miscarriage and if a pregnancy does occur obviously the increased risk of something like Down syndrome. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't try. The first step in dealing with fertility at this age is to make sure that everything's in working order and certainly I wouldn't go on for months and months and months of trying without making sure that all the bits and pieces other than the eggs are in good working condition. So the sperm is good quality that he's going to do his bit. 
that the tubes are open, that your hormonal environment is good. And we should check how many eggs are left. It's called the ovarian reserve. And that will certainly play a part in determining what your next step might be. Obviously, with a low ovarian reserve, a low AMH level, antimalarian hormone is what we measure in the blood. With a low level of that, it's important to move on pretty quickly because it may mean that menopause is just around the corner. Assuming all of the other bits are okay, the options, if you're 40 or above, are fairly limited. Waiting and seeing is obviously one option, and, and sometimes I do recommend trying for another month or two after flushing through the tubes to check that they're open, because sometimes all we've done is remove mucus plugs from the tube, and then spontaneous pregnancy is more likely to occur. The next step up that some people recommend is to move to intrauterine insemination. We do this by stimulating ovulation, either with tablets or injections, to maximise your uh, ovulation, that the hormonal environment is going to be above average. Then, by tracking the cycle, we pinpoint the day of ovulation, when an egg is ready to be fertilised, and we take the sperm, it produces a sample, it's taken through a process of concentration of the best motile sperm, and a small volume of that is put inside the neck of the womb, a bit like having a pap smear. While that may slightly improve the pregnancy rate, it's not dramatic. Now, I was in China at the International Federation of Fertility Societies meeting just recently, and I listened to a presentation from a senior American specialist who'd done a substantial study in the older age group looking at the options. And he certainly suggested that IUI was an option. However, he did end up concluding that the next step, i.e. going on to IVF, was just as good, no better, but just as good. But more importantly, pregnancies occurred sooner than with IUI. Because with IUI, you're doing month after month of treatment. With IVF, you're doing one single treatment, which gets as good a results as at least three or four months of IUI. In Australia, it is unfortunate that the Medicare rebate for IUI is relatively low, so that at the end of the day, two cycles of IUI almost add up to the same cost as an IVF cycle with no better outcome and a delay to conceiving. So if your doctor suggests IUI, if you're over 40 and you've been to see a specialist, I would question whether that's the right way forward. What you want to know, and that's the important thing, is have you got eggs? And have you got eggs that are going to fertilize? And have you got eggs that are going to create a baby? And the best way to find that out is to move down the IVF track rather than going down the IUI track. This is an add-on to the 40-year-old fertility problem. The main reason why there isn't success from an embryo being transferred and why it's 20 to 25% only compared with 40% when you're 30 
is uh, related to the eggs that I mentioned earlier. The genetic makeup of those eggs is wrong in the vast majority of eggs. So what we can do is actually screen the embryo before we put it back. That's called PGTA, prenatal genetic testing for aneuploidy. Aneuploidy means abnormal chromosomes. So what we do there is we grow the embryos to five days and we take a biopsy of the embryo. So we take around eight to 10 cells from the 200 that are there in the blastocyst, send them off to the lab and they can test the genetic makeup. If that comes back showing a normal number of chromosomes and we put that embryo back, the success rate jumps from around 25% up to over 50% chance of a pregnancy. So if you have a number of embryos created in your stimulation cycle, it's well worthwhile checking which ones are the best ones. This saves you the pain of going through a cycle of transfer of those embryos where pregnancy was never going to occur because of the aneuploidy. And in doing so, by reducing the number of cycles, you're actually saving money. So PGTA can improve the pregnancy rates. That said, at 40, if you go through a cycle, you collect embryos, they grow to blastocyst, there will be something like 30% of patients who won't get a transfer because they'll all be deemed to be aneuploid. That's not necessarily a bad thing because you're not wasting your time. On the other hand, it can be very disappointing to have that occur. One of the other issues when you're in the older age group is how long should you keep on going? So while the desire to have a baby is very strong, one has to be realistic. However, we do know that women who carry on cycle after cycle after cycle and who produce embryos and continue to have transfers, that 20% success rate keeps going from cycle to cycle to cycle. And what we call the cumulative pregnancy rate, in other words, after all of these cycles, what percentage of women who start end up with a baby? At 40, it's something in the order of 50% of women, if they keep going and they are producing embryos, will get pregnant. So the first dropout point is the failure to produce embryos. There's no point in going on repeatedly if we're not forming embryos or not forming normal embryos. But if you are doing that and you are producing embryos and if you move on to PGTA and you're proving that some of them are normal, it is well worthwhile keeping going if you can afford it, both psychologically and economically. It doesn't drop off to zero in terms of a success rate if you've got embryos of good quality. But that's a conversation you need to have each cycle with your specialist and they will help you make the decision when to stop. For many patients, the psychological part of it is overwhelming and they stop even though they're producing good embryos. For others, the economic cost is a problem. But the message is that if you're producing good embryos, it's worthwhile carrying on. So, in summary, if you're 40 years old, the realistic view is that odds of a pregnancy are much lower than when you were 30, but it's not without hope. But really the way forward is 
predominantly down the IVF track rather than doing things in between because predominantly they will be just wasting your time. And don't forget that you can access all the previous episodes by going to our website www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu. Thank you for listening to The IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast which helps couples negotiate their way through the IVF journey all the way to parenthood. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1800 483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au.